Hi, I'm your host Shane Ripley with Mountain Crypto. I hope you enjoy the podcast today. It's another one of the Elevate conference meetings on the blockchain investment strategies for the 2019 bull market. And with that, I'll get it started right now. Turn the volume up all the way and uh, hopefully you'll get a good copy of that. Let's start that over again. And here goes. That's not very loud. Let's get the volume up a little louder. Breakthrough work on networks and underpins things like Tor and uh, blind signatures and, and digital bearers uh, certificates, which is the notion of electronic cash. It's not a better electronic cash. Digicash. Digicash. The CEO of Digicash. Um, and the problem uh, with the mixed networks were they're very slow. If anyone is familiar with Tor. Um, and so what, what he was grappling with is how can we deliver this these technologies on the modern smartphone platform so that uh, you could benefit uh, from the technology in a seamless way. And what that concretely means is that you can handle transactions on a smartphone from beginning to end in a matter of seconds and do it without running down the battery on your smartphone and, and within the computing constraints of the smartphone on the, on the client side. And that requires uh, some fundamental, uh, fundamentally different things, including um, pre-computation of a, a mix so that uh, basically a, a team of nodes is ready to, to process a transaction before the actual data is available and also a different approach to the transfer of value so um, or the achievement of a payment. And so uh, Elixir uses digital coins and basically transfers ownership, uh, whereas a Bitcoin uses a public key signature to authorize a change in the ledger. And public key signatures are very, uh, involve big numbers and a lot of computing intent, you know, intensity, so it takes time. The bottom line, um, Elixir is uh, is the first platform that, that we know of that has these performance characteristics, and uh, it's our view that you know if if people can't use the blockchain on their smartphone without experiencing real glitches and problems, it's never going to go mainstream. So that, that's our, our challenge, our vision, is to deliver that kind of performance so that people really can use it in real time. Get up in the morning, make payments, send messages, send data on their smartphone uh, with the blockchain backend. Absolutely, and, and thanks for that explanation, Jim. I mean, Jim John was, goes back on the sector blocks with uh, Green and Savo and you know, all, those, yeah. all those folks uh, that gave us, uh, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto on the Bitcoin. And, He's been in business forever and ever, and we're very excited to see what you're doing with Elixir. And all this kind of moves into our, our topic for today uh, in returning the bull market and opportunities and strategy, uh, strategies for investment in blockchain and digital assets. It's thing called digital assets, right? What's a, what's a digital asset? Well, we're going to move into that very quickly. Uh, first thing we want to talk about is we're in the United States, so if we're doing digital assets, then there's this, this organization called the uh, called the SEC. Everyone know about the SEC? Who they are? Yes. There we go. <laughs> Everyone knows. We're all painfully aware. 
Um, but they're giving us some guidance, and they're coming down with some guidance, and hopefully uh, moving into 2019 is the year that the security token and, and digital assets we can keep out of the problems that we had in 2017, 2018. Let's try to do this thing correctly. But I want to talk about the uh, updated rules and regulations with the SEC and, and issuing crypto guidance. I think it has a little more uh, relevance today, right, than it did when we first talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anyone want to feel that call? I, I would uh, I start with the, the, the TKHS letter. We're talking about it recently. I mean, Michael Turpin commented on it. But I read that letter, I was like, oh my God, this is a disaster. Because basically, what it says in the letter is uh, if you have a constrained program like mileage points, like has existed for decades, and you call them tokens, you're only paid. But then I read the rest of it, and the rest of it is a fairly straightforward, um, concrete, you know, uh, assessment with reference, in my read, uh, with reference to the Howey test that really lays out uh, for the first time in writing. They talked a lot about it, but in writing, that um, you know, a utility token. Um, is you know a definition of a utility token, which is pretty workable in some respect. Uh, yeah, and Elixir might be a, a benefactor of that, definitely. Yeah, I, I think so. After I, I think before April third, and correct me if I'm wrong, but before April third, there was no such thing in the United States as a utility token because it had not yet been defined. Uh, and there's there was so much differentiating as far as opinion on what it would be, what it wouldn't be. And uh, today's April fourth, as of April fourth, there's a definition. That's why I don't know, Jenny, you put a comment on yeah, Jenny, Jeremy, I, but I'd say, yeah, I mean, people said things like this, that there's been a lot of heavy of mind. Just, this is a going on prosecuted letter from the SEC. Yeah, and also it's like, you know, you want to align it as their letter and their decision. Well, I have a different point of view. Um, and basically, when it comes to SEC, the one thing I die directly. Uh, to read is actually the footnotes, okay? And if you guys go back and read that SEC letter and just read the footnotes, the footnotes actually stated that it was not a rule and it was not a regulation. So to me, if it was not a rule and it was not a regulation, it's a nothing burger, okay? So it's literally nothing. And the letter literally states that that company uh, had their own attorney, and their own attorney uh, described their uh, token was uh, not a security token. So, but the letter yesterday was optimistic in uh, the crypto digital space because uh, it's sort of like, um, you know, we woke up uh, a dead horse. You know, like we were all been waiting for the SEC for so long, and it's like, Chirp, 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 and finally, they, uh, they woke up and they said something. Even though it wasn't a rule, it wasn't a regulation, if, if you know, I'm in the space, I, I, I didn't jump for joy for that. But I'm going to give you guys just one piece of information from here on out. Um, you guys going to hear a lot about the Howey test. So be very, very familiar with the Howey test. Now, uh, some of you may have already read about the Howey test, and if those who have not, uh, let me give you just two tips, okay? 
The Howey test basically uh, arrived from 19, a case from 1946. Um, uh, uh, it was the um, uh, Supreme Court versus a company in Florida uh, named Howey. So what is this Howey test? Just remember three things, okay? Number one, is there an investment of money? That's number one. There, there are three elements to this, this test. Number two, is the investment comes from with an expectation of profit? And number three is, is that expectation of profit comes largely from the efforts of others? Now, if all three elements are met, then a token or that coin um, would be a security. That's simple as that. So as we move forward, and we're going to hear on social media, Twitter, Reddit, whatnot, or events like this, people are going to talk about the Howey test. Those three elements are the most important. And, and if those three elements are met, then it is a security, period. There's no, it adds a lot to it. Yeah, um, my comment on this would be, uh, I think overall, just issuing this statement uh, is a positive step because I think uncertainty is a killer of, of motion. It's a killer of innovation. It kind of keeps things frozen. So, um, yeah, despite there not being a ruling, it still provides some clarity as far as what they're thinking. And hopefully, you know, it, it brings value to uh, people who actually want to build value in the crypto space. And it gives some uh, some credence to moving forward into digital assets is what we're talking about today. Um, Can I just look at one thing? Yeah. Sure. In the TK yeah. in a second, let me ask you a question. Can I possibly stop you? Yeah. Um, the TK chat letter had this. The thing that really chilled me about the TK chat letter is they basically have these, uh, because they're like mileage points, they went to great lengths to make sure that they would always be the same value. And they, in there is that it, effectively it's a hardwired stable coin type of thing. But it can never appreciate the value in the TKJF implementation tied to the US dollar. And that's been a big issue, which and it goes to number two in the Howey test, which is if people can make money off of it, if it can go up, uh oh, that's trouble, right? Um, if you read in the uh, in the discussion below the TKJet letter, they do make this distinction, which is that it's not that it can't appreciate in value. That is not the term. It can't go up in value if it's the result of the growth in the economy and there was one other factor. And to me, that was the huge kind of like keeping line that you can have a token which is part of a token economy, with our token economics, where if people do things in a decentralized way, it can appreciate the value. That can all happen and it cannot be a security. Uh, and that matches very well with what we're up to. So you know, we had a parochial self-interested, uh, self-interest in it, the fact that they laid it out like that. And, and we're looking for great things from Alexa, and, and, and thanks for that comment. So we, we, we have the, the SEC has come down and give us basically the anti-Howey test, right? So we have the Howey test, we have the anti-Howey test. Now as investors, we can begin to uh, make more educated, better decisions as to where we place our efforts and our money and um, our time.
and moving forward in the same called blockchain, which is much more interesting. So we, we, we basically had, what, we, we had ICOs before, right? 2017, 2018, what did we learn then? We, we learned two things. Uh, we learned that, uh, number one, uh, that the capability of mankind to like, cheat, and steal from one another is almost unlimited, right? We, we learned that, right? Very creative ways to, no. Yes, we to know. Uh, very creative ways to like, cheat, and steal. We also learned that uh, uh, the capability of uh, Joe Plummer on Main Street to invest uh, in equity, uh, uh, equity investments at 1,000, 500, whatever at a time very quickly outstripped the entire VC industry. Um, if we had let it go for very much longer, it would outstripped the entire VC industry and private equity industry. So I think we have tremendous pent-up demand on, on Main Street, not Wall Street, uh, for these types of uh, securities, these types of digital assets that we're moving into. Uh, 2019 will be the year of the, uh, the SEO. So we know, we know what ICOs are. I don't think we need to belabor the process. Um, and we kind of understand what the Howey test, anti-Howey test, and why the SEC got involved, and now they're giving us some guidance. Very good stuff as we move into these things called SDOs. So let's talk a little bit about SDOs and, and what they are. Um, uh, and, and, and SDOs from uh, an interesting perspective because we have um, uh, we have uh, private equity and venture capital in the United States. We have uh, onshore and offshore uh, European and, and, and Investments with, 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 and we have someone who's building a, a platform based in the United States and to be working in these different things. Very interesting, different perspectives, I would assume, on STO. So, um, Terry, you want to you start us off? Yeah, um, so STOs, um, they are an issuance of a security token, which uh, investing, uh, investing in such a token is an investment in some underlying asset, like the, the um, Real estate, stock, uh, commodities. Um, we're talking about um, assets that have been um, you know, investors have put their money into for a long time. Right now, being able to do that with blockchain, um, I think STOs are a great uh, option for companies that are considering doing an IPO because they're a lot more cost efficient, they're a lot faster. Uh, they can provide direct uh, access to retail investors. Uh, as Michael was alluding to, uh, and they uh, create a digital asset that is uh, tradable 24-7 because the markets never close. Uh, there are a lot of middlemen that go into the process of putting together an IPO, uh, and essentially you can think of that as uh, people who serve different functions to provide the security that is inherently provided by blockchain anyway. Provide friction. <laughs> provide tons of friction. Um, but uh, I think in terms of uh, thinking about STOs and ICOs, security tokens and utility tokens, security token is investment in some uh, perhaps real world asset that's uh, being uh, digitized in the blockchain. Investing in a utility token is purchasing um, an asset that you can use to access or operate some kind of system or network. So you can think of that as, uh, for example, uh, Filecoin, where if I own Filecoins, Filecoins is a distributed file storage uh, network. So if I own Filecoins, I can use them to purchase storage space, kind of like the way I would use iCloud or, or Dropbox. If I own that coin, there's a utility value to that token. Whereas if I buy a security token, which is perhaps, let's say, for example, an ownership stake in an apartment building, if I own this uh, token, I am the uh, provable, verifiable, rightful owner to 2% uh, of, of 
this building, and I can uh, trade that at any time. Um, I'm going to add a little bit to what Jeremy said. Actually, to me, there, there are actually four stages now. ICO, SCO, SSO, and now is IEO. So if you guys follow me, what each of those stands for. We all know what ICO stands for, Initial Coin Offering. SCO stands for Security Token Offering, correct? How about SSO? Smart Securities offering. Did you guys hear about that? Okay, so that was supposed to be the next stage. And then the current stage we are in it is called IEO, Initial Exchange Offering. Now, you sit down there and you say, okay, what the heck is all this? I mean, Jeremy helped dissect a little bit between a utility token and a security token. But that is if you speak in terms of outside of the United States, okay? Given what I do know about the SEC rules and regulations, to be frank with you, in the United States, even if you were to open a corporation headquarters overseas, you know, go with uh, CZ Binance, go to Malta, whatever it is, you can tap investors outside of the United States and you can call anything you want, ICO, uh, uh, IEO, whatever it is. But as soon as you tap one investor that is in the United States, regardless if you're, you're headquartered in Malta, in Singapore, in whatever, most likely 95% of it will be considered a security. And you hear it from me. Okay, now of course I'm reserving myself to say only 95%. So the bottom line is, all of these four entities, ICOs, SCOs, SSO, and IEO, it boils down to the evolution of raising capital. And currently the bottom line is, go back to the traditional method of raising capital, look up Regulation D, Section 506B and 506C. That's my and I think that a lot of us would agree with you, Kenny. Uh, uh, if it's a security token offering, uh, you have to have the, the, the base security, reggae, reggae, bus, reggae, You have to start out there. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to mention that there's nothing wrong with the security. Nothing wrong with an IPO. You know, some of our favorite companies. As, as long as you do it correctly. Yeah. Uh, the, the issue is. You know, there are rules. There's nothing wrong with following the SEC rules. There's things called 10Qs and 10Ks. Well, 10K is an annual report. And there are disclosure rules. And uh, the history of that is, you know, dates back to 1929 for the most part, but there are various, you know, updates. But basically was that if you have a, a, a business and you have investors and they're trying to value the business, they should be able to see what's going on in that business because they own a part of something, this equity, which is quite abstract. The only way to know what it really is is to know what's going on in this business. So there have to be some rules for how to disclose it. And all the exceptions to the rules, you know, Reg D or whatnot, are in the vein of sophisticated people, rich people, people who are capable of understanding these things without those formulas formulated disclosure requirements. 
So the reason I want to mention this... Just, just a quick question. These are the same people that uh, valued Schiff's and Lehman American Express in 2008 at several billion dollars and you went to fund several months later. The same, the same processes, the same people? Yeah. Okay, I'm just, I'm just making sure. I, I, I'm thinking next on that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. The same people as our GoPro was worth $20 billion. Yeah, that was worth $800 um, and they're, you know, so um, the, the reason that this is important is that um, there are certain things which are a little bit more simple. I mentioned a mutual fund uh, uh, earlier. Mutual funds are securities that you can buy, and what they are is a portfolio mix of other securities. And the way the disclosure is handled for a mutual fund is uh, you publish which securities are in that fund and you publish the prices daily and that's enough. So that's that, that they meet the disclosure requirements there without having to do very much. There isn't a lot of like filing long-winded written documents and so on. So um, there's a lot of, and, and that's true with REITs for example, real estate investment trusts. So there is um, I think a lot of room right now with the security token offerings to have things which are securities uh, without creating a lot of disclosure uh, burden that you would if you were running an operating company. And we're just, so we'll see people moving forward with that, uh, you know, without having that friction. I'm, I'm not quite sure what's happening, but I, I think we've had a, a shift in the time continuum here. Um, because I've been told we have a minute left. That was the quickest 35 minutes I've ever had in my life. Um, so I, we, we're going to have to wrap up here really quickly. We, I wanted to have some questions, but I'll let you guys know that we'll be available in the audience. We'll be here all day, you know, um, uh, to chat with you. If you have questions about digital assets, uh, this is a very important thing going into 
So if that happens, then all bets are off. But by the way, Jenny's going to tell me that I'm wrong on that. Go, so go ahead. No, I was going to say that the top of this uh, speaking thing is supposed to be back to the war market. We're going to talk about that, but oh well. <laughs> I, I have a list of reasons why I believe it's going to be a bull market, but I guess maybe next time. Uh, I'm going to make it on Twitter. Fundamentally, we're heading into a kitchen. All right, so that concluded that. Hopefully you're able to get something out of that. Thank you again for tuning in to Mountain Crypto. I'm your host, Shane Ripley, over and out.